Welcome to the 10-Minute MBA. I'm your host, Scott D. Clary. On the 10-Minute MBA, I give you tools, tactics, strategies, and insights that you can use to start, scale, grow, and 10x your business. Let's get into it. So today we're going to be speaking about email marketing. We're going to be speaking about how to get 90% open rates for your email because email is definitely not dead. And if you can master email, you have direct communication with an audience that you own, meaning it's not like social media where you post something and maybe 10 or 20% of your following open it up. Email, if you can get it right, 100% of them should receive it, and then X percentage of them actually open it. But let's go for those 90% open rates, which is unheard of in most industries by most marketers. We're going to get you there. So why are email open rates very important? Well, let's, ask, let's break it down a little bit just for people that are just getting into email marketing and you're trying to communicate with your audience. So email open rates, really, the definition means the percentage of people who actually open your email after receiving the email in their inbox. They're very important because they indicate how interested or engaged your audience is with your message. If you have really low open rates, it means that most of your contacts are ignoring or deleting your emails without even reading them. That's a huge waste of time and money for you as a marketer, as an entrepreneur. But if you have high open rates, it means that most of your contacts are curious and eager to hear from you. That's a great opportunity for you to build trust, loyalty, and eventually sell to them. So how do you get 90% plus open rates for your emails? It's actually not that hard. You just have to follow some simple principles called permission marketing plus a couple other best practices. The concept of permission marketing is the privilege, not the right, to deliver anticipated, personal, and relevant messages to people who are actually wanting to get them. In other words, permission marketing is about getting people to say yes to your emails before you even send them. And then once they say yes, you need to keep delivering value and delight to them with every single email you send. So in this podcast, I'm going to walk through the concepts of permission marketing, but also what actually allows you to get that message delivered, opened, and read. Permission marketing as a concept means that they're opting in. They're opting in on your website. They're opting in on some sort of landing page. And they're asking for this message. You're not just spamming them. You're not buying lists. You're not uh, using some tools to find some email and reach out to people that have never heard from you before. They ask for these emails. And once they ask for the emails, you have permission to deliver them. Now, that's hard in and of itself. And I can do a whole podcast on permission marketing. But once you have permission, that's where you really have to make sure that uh, you're marketing effectively. So one of the most effective ways to get an email opened is your subject line. And the subject line is the first thing that a contact would see when they receive your email. It's like the headline for your message. It has to capture their attention, spark their curiosity, make them want to read more. If your subject line is boring, vague, or irrelevant, there's a good chance they're going to ignore or delete your email without opening it. But if your subject line is catchy, specific, and relevant, they will be more likely to open your email and engage with your content. So how do you write catchy and relevant subject lines that actually entice the reader to open your email? Here's a few tips that I use. According to a study by Retention Science, the optimal length for an email subject line is between 6 and 10 words. This length has an average open rate of 21% which is higher than any other length range. Why? Because six to 10 words is enough to convey a clear and compelling message without being too long or too short. 
If you use fewer than six words, you risk being too vague or generic. If you use more than 10 words, you risk being too wordy or spammy. For an example, compare these two subject lines, hi versus how I made 100K in one month. The first one is too short. It doesn't tell anything about the email content. The second one is too long and kind of sounds like a scam. A better subject line would be something along the lines of uh, my secret formula for making 100K. This one is within the optimal length range and tells enough about the email content without giving everything away. Another way to make your subject lines more catchy and relevant is to personalize them with the reader's name or other details that show you know them and you care about them. Personalization can increase your open rates by up to 50% according to Experian. Uh, and why is this? Well, because personalization makes your emails seem more human and less robotic. It shows that you're not sending mass emails to everyone on your list, but rather tailored messages to each individual contact. For example, compare these two subject lines, how to grow your business versus, hey, John, how's business? The first one is generic and impersonal. The second uses the reader's name and asks a question that relates to their interest. A better subject line would be something like, John, I have a tip for growing your business. This one uses personalization and creates curiosity by promising some advice, insight, or a tip. Of course, personalization doesn't have to be limited to names as it can also use other details like location, industry, purchase history, behavior patterns, depending on what data you have about your contacts. So for example, here's three different subject lines. Mary, did you enjoy our webinar yesterday? Bob from Chicago, here's a special offer for you. Sarah, don't miss your chance to upgrade. These examples use different types of personalization that make the emails more relevant and appealing. So remember, use six to 10 words in your subject line and personalize them with the names or other details if possible. And another factor that influences uh, your email open rates is your sender name and email address. So you've nailed in your subject line, but your sender name and email address are the first things after the subject line that they see when they receive your email. So they are like your fingerprint, your identity and your reputation in the email world. They have to establish trust and recognition with your contacts. Now, if your sender name and email address are unfamiliar, confusing, or suspicious, they will likely make your contact doubt your credibility, your authenticity. But if your sender name and email address are recognizable, consistent, and professional, they will likely make your contacts feel more comfortable and confident in you. How do you optimize your sender name and email address to build trust and recognition with your contacts? Here's tips that I use. Your sender name is what appears in the from field of your emails. It's what tells your contacts who you are and what you represent. It also is what helps them remember you and associate you with a certain image or value prop. The best practices for choosing a sender name is to use a recognizable name that matches your brand or company name. This way, you can create consistency across all your communication channels, so web, social, blog, etc., and reinforce your brand identity. For example, if I'm sending emails from myself, I can use Scott Clary, Scott D. Clary, uh, whatever, Scott at as my sender name. This way, I can leverage my personal brand as an entrepreneur, as a speaker, as an investor. If you're sending emails from your company, you can use the company name as your sender name. This way you can highlight the value prop of your actual company and what you do. Avoid using generic and impersonal names like admin, support, newsletter. They don't tell anything about who you are or what you offer. Uh, also, remember to avoid using generic spammy email addresses that may trigger spam filters. So um, another point about your email address, it appears next to or below the sender name in the from field of your emails. It tells your contacts how to contact you back if they want to reply or unsubscribe from your email. So the best practice for choosing an email address 
is to avoid using generic or spammy addresses. For example, uh, don't use personal addresses. So Scott at gmail.com or Scott's company at gmail.com or, or info at or no reply at. These addresses look unprofessional, untrustworthy, and irrelevant. So they may also get blocked by spam filters or ignored. Instead, use addresses that match your domain. So Scott at scottdclary.com, um, Scott's company at scottdclary.com, investing at scottdclary.com, business at whatever it is, doesn't matter. These addresses look professional, trustworthy, relevant. They also invite your contacts to engage with you. So remember, Use a recognizable sender name that matches your brand or company name and avoid using generic or spammy email addresses that may trigger spam filters. I talk about timing your email campaigns for maximum engagement and open rate. So you want to be sending your email campaigns during the workday and after lunch when people are most likely to check their inbox. This is tying back to permission marketing where you're going to be delivering anticipated, personal, and relevant messages to people who actually want to get them at the time when they want to receive them. So one way to increase the anticipation and relevance of your email campaign is to send them at a time when your audience is most likely to actually open them up. And while there is no universal best time, studies do suggest that weekdays are better than weekends, mid-afternoon is better than early morning or late evening. This is really because people tend to check their inbox during their work hours, especially after lunch when they have more energy and attention. They're not focused on work stuff. This does not mean you should always send your email campaigns at 2 p.m. on Tuesdays, Different audiences may have different preferences and habits depending on their location, industry, lifestyle, other factors. You have to test different days and times. Find out what works best for your specific audience and know your audience. Um, and, and one of the benefits of email marketing is that you can easily measure its performance with various metrics, open rate, click-through rate, conversion rate, unsubscribe rate. These metrics can help you understand how well your email campaigns are engaging your audience and achieving your goals. Now, one of the best ways to optimize your email campaigns is to test different days and times of sending them. You can use tools like MailCharts or HubSpot to track how your email campaigns perform at different times of the day or week. You can also A-B test or split test to compare two or more versions of your email campaign with different sending times. By testing different times and days, you can find out when your audience is most responsive and interested in your message and you avoid sending emails when they're going to be ignored or deleted. This way, you increase your chances of delivering anticipated personal and relevant messages that build trust and loyalty with your audience. Uh, the next point is making sure that your emails are mobile friendly and easy to read on any device. So you have to use a responsive design template that adapts to different screen sizes and orientations. FeedBlitz is a great email service provider or ESP. They provide responsive design templates that automatically adjust to fit any screen size or orientation. Uh, MailChimp, a convert kit, wherever you go, most of them are going to be um, auto formatted to adjust to different screen sizes, but make sure they are. Uh, emails have to look good and function well on any device, whether or not it's a desktop, laptop, tablet, smartphone. Responsive design is essential because more than half of all emails are opened up on mobile devices. And I would even say that that's, that's based on a recent study. I would say probably even more. If your emails are not mobile friendly, you risk losing attention and interest of your audience. They may find your emails hard to read, hard to navigate, or interact with on, on the device that they choose to access that email from. You can also use mail charts or email on ACID, two tools that let you preview how emails look on various devices and browsers before you actually send them. And lastly, use clear and concise language. Short paragraphs, bullet points, images, video, whatever it is, you have to have the most effective and impactful and succinct way of delivering value and that message in the email. 
You don't want to speak forever. You don't want to use long, complex, boring paragraphs, chunks of text. You risk losing the attention and interest of the audience who may not read them fully or at all. So use clear and concise language, short paragraphs, bullet points, images or video, convey your message effectively. Uh, you should also use catchy subject lines, headings and subheadings if you are gonna write a little bit more of a lengthy email to capture the attention of your audience and entice them to read through the whole thing. Anyways, I hope that helps just give you some ideas of best practices for emails, a little bit of a primer on permission marketing, and ultimately what you really have to do just to make sure that your emails are well-received and actually get opened and read, which is what we're all trying to go for whenever we uh, speak with our customers. That's it for today. I hope you enjoyed. I hope you got some value out of that. Make sure you come back tomorrow for another business lesson on the 10-Minute MBA.